The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Bill Gursky, who's the president and CEO of Borellis Threat and Risk Consultants and a former strategic analyst for CSIS. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good. I'm sorry to hear about your weather. It's uh, 30 degrees at my cottage in central Ontario. I'm sitting by the lake. I can share oh. the weather with you guys if you'd like. Oh, Phil. <laughs> that humidity's kicking in, though, eh? It's got to be closer to 40. No, no, no. The humidity was last week. It's okay. 30. It's actually 30, and it feels like 30. Last week was incredible. It was unbearable, but right now it's actually quite nice. And I'm sitting here with a beer. I shouldn't say this on the radio. With a beer in my hand, uh, waiting to talk fine. to you guys. You're allowed to have a beer. We're not. Yeah. So we'll just envy the fact that you're able to have a beer right now. Fair enough. Phil, we are, I mean, now we're, we're very jealous of you, but we're also very happy to have you uh, on the air today. So we're, we're, we're discussing uh, some news that just broke today, detailing CSIS's practices emerging in a federal court case mounted by the BCCLA. Can you give us a little bit of background on why this is a big deal? Well, okay, so what I learned is that the BC Civil Liberties Association is accusing CSIS of spying unnecessarily and potentially illegally on those that were against pipeline expansion, the natural resource extraction. And they think, they claim in, the, in this, this action that CSIS retained information on these individuals, protesters, and was sharing the information with the oil sector itself. So they're saying that, A, CSIS should not have done this, they shouldn't have been spying on these people in the first place, and they certainly should not have been sharing the information with the oil patch people. That's what seems to be at, at issue here today. Phil, this certainly isn't common practice, is it? Well, um, it depends what you mean by common, common practice, Brad. I mean, CSIS has a mandate to investigate possible threats to national security or public safety. So I'm guessing, I mean, I don't work there anymore, but I'm guessing what happened was that information was received that indicated that these protest movements, which are perfectly lawful dissent, CSIS did not investigate lawful dissent or advocacy, information was received suggesting that they might turn violent at some point. If it turns violent, that becomes a CSIS mandate. Phil, can you take us into why certain information is able to be retained and other information is, is not supposed to be retained? Yeah, that's a great question, Morgan. And this is quite complicated, but essentially the way that it works is that when CSIS obtains information, it's allowed to retain the information for assessment purposes. If it turns out the information indicates that something is approaching a criminal threshold, CSIS has the authority under its legislation to inform the RCMP. So CSIS does not investigate criminal activity, the RCMP does. But sometimes we can tell the RCMP, here's what we've learned, you might want to launch your own independent investigation into this. In terms of data retention, normally, and I, I've worked, I worked in intelligence for 30 years, normally you tend to get rid of stuff because you don't want you know, stuff that's not investigation-related or threat-related clogging up your system. But it may turn out that there's something that is sort of related to something else down the road, which you might be able to use to, get, to help inform what you're seeing from other collection systems. So it's not as easy as saying just turn the taps off or hit the delete button. You've got to look at the, the greater picture. What is CSIS trying to achieve? Uh, what are they investigating legally under their mandate? And what information do they need to do that? So now, now they're saying this, they hung on to material about groups or people who didn't pose a threat. Can you give us some insight as to, to what the thinking could have been to retaining this information? Yeah, so that's, again, that's a good question. So I'm going to have to be, you know, extrapolate here from what I know, but essentially what I'm guessing happened is that there were other investigations 
that were linked to these particular investigations, which did involve individuals that were of concern from a public safety and national security perspective. And I think what, what Canadians have to understand, and I, I'm sure I'm not going to convince them today on your radio program, is that it's complicated and that sometimes information that seems to be completely unnecessary or superfluous or tangential in one case may actually give you some insight into other t- types of information that you've collected that do point to a possible threat. So it's easy to say just throw it all away, but it's often a little more involved than that. And you do want to you, you want to be able to paint the best picture possible because what CSIS's mandate says is we have to collect information, analyze it, and advise government. And you can only give the best advice based on the best information you have. So it's a little more involved than just saying this particular phone call, this particular human source report is irrelevant and just kind of gash it. It might be part of a bigger picture. So does this mean that kind of everyday people who may have interacted with something that was flagged to CSIS's systems, does that mean that their names could be appearing in a database when they're not posing a, a big problem to anyone? Absolutely. And I, and I would say, again, I'm sure many would, would dismiss what I'm saying is that, so what? Uh, so you're in a CSIS database. So what? It doesn't mean that you're going to be investigated yourself. It doesn't mean that the information that's been gathered is going to be passed on to law enforcement. It doesn't mean it's going to be involved, it, it, we're going to involve you in any kind of nefarious activity. It's just basically part of a database. And I, I'm sorry, I hate to, hate to draw the analogy here. Um, I'm sure that Google and Facebook and Twitter and FaceTime and WhatsApp and Telegram have a heck of a lot more information on Canadians than CSIS does. Um, that may be, you know, poor solace for Canadians who don't like thesis, but, you know, you might want to look at, you know, who else has your information and what they're doing with it. So what are the next steps on both parties' behalf? Like, where does CSIS go from here? Where does VCCLA go from here? Well, obviously, from the BCCLA perspective, they want more information rather than less, right? So I, I saw a, a, um, a story which showed a, one of the pages that they received under access to information. It's basically a blank page. Right, there's nothing there. So obviously they want more information as to what was collected, on whom was it collected, why was it collected, why was it retained, what does it say kind of thing. CSIS, not surprisingly, is going to say, uh, sorry, uh, this is, you know, national security. We have no obligation to disclose what we've collected and how we collected it because that's part and parcel of what CSIS does for a living. So we're kind of in a bit of a standoff here, and it'll be basically up to the government to decide what should CSIS disclose and what did the BCCLA have the rights to. So it's hard to say where it goes from here. Phil, even if CSIS does disclose more information to the BCCLA, I would imagine that those documents are going to be heavily redacted. So is the BCCLA even going to get actually get more information? Probably not. Because what CSIS has to do, Brad, under its, under, you know, as, a, as an intelligence service, the two most important things that CSIS has to protect are its methodology and its sources. So any information that can disclose either of those is verboten. It's taboo. So there's no way that BCCLA is going to get the kinds of information it's asking for because if CSIS discloses it, it lets people know how it collects information in terms of its source and, 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 and their methodology. And CSIS isn't going to do that. So I'm not exactly sure what they're hoping to get uh, out of this. These are typical cases that, you know, have, have been going on for a long time in this country. CSIS has its mandate. And I think that what CSIS says is that, look, we have, you know, oversight committees up, up to yin-yang, and they do. CSIS is one of the most oversight intelligence agencies in the world. If the intelligence oversight committee says that CSIS did no wrong, that should be good enough. But obviously for a lot of Canadians, that's not good enough because they don't trust it. So, I mean, I don't know where you go from here. I think we have two parties that are sort of talking past each other. And I'm not sure if, in fact, any kind of answer from CSIS is going to satisfy what the BCTLA wants from it.
I'm wondering if you can clarify something for me here, Phil, and that is something mentioned in the document. It refers to the Dogwood Initiative. So that was obviously used in this case. What exactly is that? Frankly, to be honest, Brad, I have very peripheral knowledge on that. My understanding is that this is some kind of a group that was against a natural resource extraction and pipelines. And again, uh, all I can say is that the reason why CSIS would have had that at all in its database is that it somehow came up in the in the throes of a legitimate investigation that CSIS was carrying out under its mandate. So either somebody with this initiative was in contact with somebody that was a potential national security or public safety concern from a CSIS perspective, and therefore that data got collected. I, I you know, one thing that CSIS has, will swear up and down, and I happen to believe them because I used to work there, is that they do, they do not investigate lawful dissent or lawful advocacy. So they're not investigating the Dogwood Initiative. What they're investigating is somebody who, in fact, could go from lawful dissent to potential illegal dissent, i.e. the use of violence. And this initiative simply got caught up in the, in the grander scheme of things. And then finally, Phil, it, it also accused CSIS of sharing information about the opponents with the National Energy Board and petroleum industry companies. Is, in your opinion, is there possibility of that or would that be something separate? Possibly the former, definitely not the latter in my experience. So CSIS has a mandate to share with government. CSIS can share information with those in the, in the government that have the required security clearance because the CSIS mandate is to advise government. CSIS does not advise companies. CSIS does not advise the petroleum sector. I have a hard time believing that CSIS would pass information that's very sensitive, gain through investigations with private sector individuals. So what I'm thinking, and it's a purely speculative on my point, Morgan, is maybe somebody else shared it with somebody, you know, I'm not accusing the National Energy, Energy Board, somebody else who was privy to CSIS information may have shared that with some of the oil sector companies. I can't see CSIS doing that. That's something that's completely against the CSIS mandate. And who is privy to, to that kind of info with CSIS uh, outside of the organization? Generally, it's the federal government, uh, although we did have relationships with some of the provincial governments as well. And these are people that have uh, been vetted. They have a, a security clearance, either secret or top secret, that can, that can view the information that is shared with them. And it is shared with them on, on the premise. It will not be shared elsewhere. So if we, if we tell so-and-so, he does not have the authority to share it with anybody else. It's for his information only. And if he wants to share it with a third party, he has to seek CSIS permission first. That's the way intelligence works, because what you don't want to have happen is I tell you, Morgan, and then you have beers with Brad by a lake, hopefully, <laughs> and you tell Brad what you learned, but that's, that, then the, the information has, it, it's, the control has been lost. Then Brad can tell his, you know, whatever, his best friend who tells his barber, who tells his butcher, and then the information is all over the place. Information is shared with people who have a need to know, and they're instructed, do not share this unless you come back to us first and ask if it's okay to share it with people that you think should know the same information. Perfect. Phil, thank you so much for clarifying so many things and for giving us, I think, a, a better understanding of, of what goes down in CSIS. My pleasure. I'm going back to my beer's lake. I know. Oh, Phil, don't remind us. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Thanks for calling.